You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. Hello, everybody. How you doing? This is Colin Cook with... Elliot Kawaoka. And we are doing episode 11, I think it is, of Age Grouper for Life here. Kicking it off. Uh, we swore we were going to uh, make sure we were more regularly on these. And uh, what we rescheduled this, what, six or seven times, yep, Elliot? quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> I think we've both been so. pretty busy, and this time change doesn't really help either. <laughs> Right, right. So we apologize that uh, it took us a while, but uh, excited for this one. So in this one, we're going to talk all about traveling. Um, so, you know, typically for a race, I guess it could be for a training camp or something like that as well. But uh, just trying to give some tidbits and feedback about uh, what's involved with uh, with travel. So, um, yeah, I think this should be uh, should be a good one. We are gonna. We both uh, will kind of catch up on some racing we've done, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll we're gonna actually try throwing that at the end. Got some feedback from somebody that uh, said, "Let's get the uh, the important stuff," and you know we can listen to you guys ramble after if we want to. <laughs> so, sounds good to you, my man. Yep, sounds good. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into it here. So, um, you know getting pretty popular these days and certainly you know people are considering or, or you know with Ironman all over the world now um, lots of people are traveling and we can actually talk a little bit about um, you know when you're driving to a race too as well that's kind of far away and some recommendations there but uh, primarily I think we'll, we'll hit on uh, airplane travel and you know the, the fun that goes along with your bike and things like that um, so um Let's start off with talking about uh, which airlines we go with. So, um, Elliot, I know you're a fan of primarily going Southwest. Yep. Uh, you like going Southwest? I like Southwest just because, I mean, you got to factor in if you're going to travel with your bike, it's $75 each way now. So, and I know Southwest and JetBlue are the cheapest airlines um, as far as oversize or bringing your bike with you. So that's a big thing to factor in because I know U.S. Airways is what two hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars each way. Yeah, right. So yeah, so to that point, uh, I did uh, beach the battleship. What was that back in two thousand eleven? I think or something. And uh, that's down in uh, North Carolina. And I ended up actually paying more for my bike to go there and back than I did for my own <laughs> ticket. So um, that was a small airport there in Wilmington, North Carolina. So there wasn't too much I could do there, but that's, I just think, wrong. <laughs> so um, so Southwest, yeah, I really like Southwest as well. Um, 
JetBlue is, is only 50 bucks each way for the bike, which is a little bit cheaper, but obviously you got to factor in your other bags because you know that uh, your bike's probably not going to be the only bag that you're, uh, you're, you're, you're checking. So um, Southwest does do the two free bags. Um, so when you, you factor that in, I mean, definitely when you're checking out different airlines and things like that, you know, when, you, when you're considering Delta and, um, you know, uh, American, things like that, uh, they're, uh, they're always, um, they may look cheaper up front there, but when you start adding in the, the bike fees and, um, you know, checking your bags and stuff like that, it can really get significantly more expensive. So you got to kind of look at it holistically there for sure. Um, if you want to try and get the most economical solution there. So, um, I guess we kind of jumped in a little bit too fast in there, but why don't we talk about, um, the different options of getting your bike somewhere. So obviously we're, we're talking about carrying our bikes onto, uh, the plane, um, or checking them to, uh, to come on the plane with you, which is definitely my preference. And the reason I primarily like that is even though, yes, it goes, it gets checked and you don't see it the whole time, but, uh, knock on wood, I have not had any issues with my bike, um, being lost or, um, damaged or anything like that when I brought it with me. Um, you know, there's certainly other options where you could, um, you know, just have it shipped. Um, and actually I did do that one time and it worked out all right. Um, so you could just, you know, literally go, um, FedEx or UPS and, uh, and ship the bike out. Um, you know, you could go to a local bike shop and you could have them, uh, box it up for you. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the bikes boxes and details here in a minute. Um, yeah, and, but, and a lot uh, of a lot of people like that route because you can put insurance on it as well. So, like, I mean, I recently had a friend who had a, his bike damaged by the airline, and you kind of sign a waiver when you check your bike in that they're not responsible for any damage. So that that kind of sucks. And when you factor yeah. in all that stuff, all all the value in that bag that you pack, it's I mean, that's a good it can point. be up so, to ten thousand right, dollars. Uh, a negative, negative uh, piece of that is for sure is the the lack of insurance you get um, if you do bring it on the plane. A horror story I have on that as well as uh, one of my clients actually heading down to a race in Florida, um, and he has uh, DI two on his bike, and they literally snipped one of his DI two wires. Oh. So, so I mean. Uh, fortunately it was, yeah, it was Florida 70.3 and, uh, it's a relatively flat course and, uh, it was set in the big ring. So, uh, he was able to, and it was the, the front cog there that, uh, that they were, uh, that they cut. So, um, he managed to do the race, but, um, if that was something else or he could have been really, really screwed. Um, so that's, that's tough to swallow. Um, you know, I guess the the one recommendation I have when you're packing your bike in that regard is to just try and um, you know pull out as many wires as you can. Um, I usually uh, detach all the ones kind of up on the stem there. Um, you know, it certainly depends on your setup, and then also the rear and um, ones take those off as well. Just to one, it can make sure you don't waste your battery if it gets like lodged up against something, but. Uh, uh, I think the more that they can see and things that are unplugged, the less likely they're going to start snipping on you. So yeah, and um, anything like un- anything fragile on the bike, such as your derailleur. I mean, I've seen derailleurs get torn off of bikes during travel. Yeah. So just putting extra padding around that. Um, just, I mean, I wrap it with with um, bubble wrap too, and I don't know if it just does anything, but it kind of gives me peace of mind when you check it in and. Who knows what they do with the bike? I mean, 
I assume they exactly. stack it on a bunch of, I mean, they stack a bunch of bags on the bike and. Oh, they don't. You know, you know one thing is that they don't give a shit about your bike, <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna toss it around, you know, and do whatever. Oh, and I, I don't, and I, I just think they don't have any idea of how much right. money is in. I that. mean, they're just, it's just another big heavy bag for them. Yeah. So, um, exactly. Um, so, you know, preparing for the worst. I actually like to. Uh, Bubble, bubble wrap there definitely works. I also use um, like the electrical plumbing kind of um, yep. uh, tubing stuff that you can get at like Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, it's like a you know nice soft uh, spongy kind of plastic that uh, or not plastic um, you know the wraps there I guess um, and those are uh, those work really well. I think it uh, you know you can just use some masking tape and tape those on there. And so I usually completely kind of cover the bike with that stuff. Um, so, to, Colin, to do, you, prevent, do you recommend uh, any kind of damage? So, again, knock on wood, uh, I've been uh, successful without having any kind of problems with that. Um, certainly, seeing you know, there's no doubt they're going to dig through all your stuff too. So, uh, making sure that you you pack it in a way that can kind of easily be put back in there because they're going to they're going to go through. So, I've had a few times where things definitely weren't put back the way I had them, which was a little frustrating, but. If that's my biggest problem, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I guess too, when you're a good thing to prepare for is that it takes a while, especially as you're first getting used to it. Uh, you know, packing, unpacking the bike. You know, I'd give yourself probably at least an hour. Uh, I think it still usually takes me an hour at least to uh, to pack everything up, even when I've got it all kind of set out and laid out of what I need. And just um, taking so, your time um, when you do it. You I give mean, yourself time and. Yep. Uh, I do not recommend doing that uh, if you got an early flight, uh, you know, the morning of or something like that, because uh, that could not, uh, probably wouldn't bode too well for you. Um, so what kind of case do you use, and do you have a preference between a hard case and a soft case? Yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to uh, to, to cover here. So um, so I do, I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the hard case. Um, so right now, I'm using the Thule round trip transition. Um, let's see here if I get the exact model number of it real quick. Uh, yeah, the, just the Thule round trip transition. Um, and uh, I've been extremely happy with that. Uh, it's It's got some nice features. Um, it's still kind of heavy. Um, you know, definitely another thing to consider when you're packing your bike is that um, some airlines, it's it's less weight. Like actually, I had a client that was just recently trying to to do a race up in Canada, so it was going to fly Air Canada, and I think the max weight of the box could be like sixty, maybe seventy pounds or something. Um, normally, they uh, will only or allow up to a hundred pounds. Um, so what I usually do is I pack it full to uh, 99, 98 pounds and throw as much <laughs> of my my race stuff in there as well. Um, to take advantage of it um, and fill the thing, and it, it also actually works kind of, you know, you know, especially if I put in clothes and things like that, it can help absorb and uh, minimize the impact of getting tossed around. So, but uh, so I do, uh, I have a little one of those uh, weight travel bag, weight measuring things that uh, you can, you know, clip on the top of your bag and um, check the weight of things. So I definitely recommend picking one of those up so that you're not. Uh, going in actually I, I even with that i have had it uh, be like 102 103 pounds and i've had to open it up right in front before i'm checking it in um to be able to uh to get that weight down below 100 because they literally will not they refuse to take it if it's over 100 pounds with with mostly or all the airlines i've dealt with um so that's certainly something to to keep in mind but um 
I've actually, the, the Thule here is the second hard case I've had. Um, I used to have the um, is it Try All Three Sports, um, kind of a weird name. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's another really nice hard case that's more kind of a square uh, rectangle, I should say, kind of box that uh, has worked pretty well for me, you know, especially for me that uh, having a, uh, a bigger bike, um, not all of the, the cases would accommodate mine. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a lot of things you got to look at when you're getting a case. Um, you know, this certainly the hard versus soft is, is important, and we're going to talk about a couple pretty cool soft cases and some options there are around that. But, um, you know, you want to make sure that you get something that uh, I, I really like the, the ones I've had because it really minimizes how much disassembly and reassembly you have to do of your bike. Um, in between those two, I actually did buy a... Um, Helium, I think it's called, is the company, um, soft case. And I tried to use it. I wanted to use it. Um, but uh, the disassembly it, it required was just too much for me. You know, you had to take the, you know, derailleur off. And um, it was it was a lot of work. Um, and I just didn't feel comfortable doing that much stuff and just the time involved with it. Um, so, uh, Ellie, which, which case do you have? I have the Bike Pro USA soft case, and I haven't had any issues with it, but I mean, kind of like you said, your bike is a lot bigger than mine, so all I got to do is take my handlebars off. Um, it attaches the stem into the case, so it kind of locks down the whole frame down to the to the case. So, I mean, I haven't had any issues with it. I've traveled to many races with it and never really had issues. The one thing I like about it is especially after the race when you just want to throw all your stuff in like all your dirty clothes in i mean i can pack so much stuff <laughs> in addition to my bike and my wheels <laughs> into that case yeah. so. and it provides a lot For of cushion sure. <laughs> yep so um yeah and i guess you know it's, it's worth mentioning too i mean most of the disassembly um you know really doesn't take too much uh, especially if you have a smaller bike you know the less i think you have to do um, but you know, don't want people to get uh, scared away from doing it, thinking that they have a ton of stuff to do. Like for mine, I do have to take the um, seat and the seat post off, um, but that's you know takes two seconds. And then I have to uh, loosen up the stem and kind of basically just take my handlebars and kind of roll them off to the side. And there's a little finagling that has to be done there just to kind of try and make them secure. And again, I put the plenty of the plumbing uh you know coverage over it to uh just to make sure it doesn't get banged up but besides that you know popping off the wheels um is really the only disassembly things that I have to do yep. um so it's it's really not too bad um but but uh, i mean a know. lot of people are i mean i i mean i re i remember traveling to my first race and taking apart just the basic things like the handlebars and even the wheels i mean a lot of people are cautious about that and i recommend I mean, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, just go to your local bike shop and having the mechanics just go over it with you so you know how to take it apart correctly and put it back together when you when you get to your race. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, and even, you know, maybe you, you do that for the uh, the first time or something like that. That's, uh, that's always a good move and uh, a way to, you know, make sure you're doing it right and you want to have confidence in, uh, in what you're doing there. So, um you know, one other uh, case that I wanted to mention, considering that I do have a few uh, clients that uh, that have, is the um, 
it's actually, I believe it's it's pronounced, I saw on Slow Twitch, as C-Con. Uh, it looks like Psycon. Yeah. Um, but they have some soft cases that are pretty cool um, where they're actually set up so that you should be able to. So it, I, I actually really wanted to get one, and I was going to get one when I got my Thule. Um, but uh, unfortunately, my bike was too big, and it just didn't fit. But it allows you to uh, put the bike in. You know, you have to take the wheels off. But um, I think you may have to drop the seat, but you don't have to mess with the aero bars on, on most normal size bikes you know so if you're not a, a freak like me with an extra large frame um you know you <laughs> should be all right with uh with a um you know using one of these so they run deals all the time like you know i think i'm on their site now they they retail for like 900 bucks um but uh they they've had like buy one get one free deals and things like that where uh they've had um keep your eye out you know around i think it was black friday they did that last year um, where, you know, that price point's pretty good. Um, even the, the Thule, um, you know, I think that retails for like 600. Um, so it's definitely a, a pretty substan- uh, substantial investment. You know, the, um, trial three sports one I had as well, I think was in the $600 range. So, um, you know, I guess you, you also obviously want to factor that in of how often you're going to be traveling of whether, you know, making that kind of investment makes sense. But, um, for me and it's, and for you, Elliot, it seems like the same, you know, where you're traveling enough with the bike that, uh, it's worthwhile to, uh, to be able to, to do that. Yep. And I mean, uh, if you're, if you look far, far in advance of your race, I mean, I always see such good deals on, on, uh, Craigslist or in Phoenix, we have, um, Steve Bay, which people sell all these used bike products. Um, oh yeah, cool. On, on facebook so there's always oh, good right, deals right. going on yeah uh, cool and then the the last option i want to mention that i still actually i don't have any clients um that, that have used it but uh there's um tj tolkinson's company that uh rooster sports they have the armored hen houses and so what those are meant to be set up is so that they're it's broken up into different pieces so i think it's two or three different pieces um you know if you include the wheels um and then the frame um but it allows you it's supposed to keep underweight where you should be able to check your bike without having any you know bike fees or whatnot um so it's a really cool idea the only thing that, that i don't like about that is again is just the amount of disassembly i think it takes a good amount of work where you gotta um really break things down um and then you know put it back together and reassemble uh once you get on site to be able to to use it properly but uh it's it's definitely uh um, a really cool idea and uh, um i know i had one client considering getting it. i'm not sure if he got it or not uh, i have to check in with him on that but uh um it's a it's a cool idea for sure and, and something worth considering um so and so yeah so if you do end up wanting to go with the shipping your bike option um you know and i guess and one other perk that i really like the fact that um with the uh, shipping it or bring it on the plane with you excuse me um it does allow you to have the bike with you at all times so you don't have to worry about with like when you do ship it where you know you got a race on sunday maybe you got to send it out you know the uh weekend before depending how far it's going and things like that you know there's going to be a few days that it's it's not going to be there you're going to have to figure out where exactly you can get it shipped to um and there's some kind of complications with that um that being said you know definitely a a great point elliot made earlier about being able to get insurance if you want to pay for that um price wise i think it actually ends up being in most cases a little bit more expensive i want to say it was like 
100 to 125 um, for me to ship it out. I did that to Texas last year. Um, and uh, But, I mean, I used my actual hard case and just had them ship that out. And um, it, uh, it worked out all right. Uh, but that's, you know, something that can be a drawback there is, you know, you have to um, – ship it out in advance and then you know obviously be without it when you when you get home as well for a little bit um but there is also some um some some different companies that you can use um so there's a company called i used um tri-bike's a big one right well tri-bike is one i actually want to talk about separately here in a second um but uh, bikeflights.com is who i ended up using where they ended up getting, you know, I think it went through UPS, but they were just able to get us a better rate. So, um, and I think they even have discount codes every once in a while. So, uh, bikeflights.com is uh, is one of them. Looks like shipbikes.com is a, another one. And then that leads right in, yeah, definitely to tri bike transport. Tri tri bike transport, excuse me. Which Elliot, I know you've used for Hawaii at least once. Yep. Um, why don't you talk about that one? Um, and like you said, like when you use these services, I mean, it's so, it's set up to. I mean, it's so convenient. You just drop your bike off at your local bike shop and um, ships right there. You show up at your race destination and it's ready to be. I mean, you're it's ready to ride again and. I mean that's the that's the convenience of using those kind of services. But the one drawback which I really did not like is um, like flying to Hawaii. I had I remember I had to send my bike in. I think it was in two weeks in advance. Yeah. And just being and without your what, bike for that long is it was hard for me. Right. And and as an East Coaster, I'm pretty sure it was over three weeks in advance that I had to, uh, I would have had to drop mine off. Because I think they, I think they boated, boated over, right? They do. Yeah. So, I mean, it is cool. So, I mean, literally all you got to do is show up at your local bike shop, you take the pedals off and that's it. And they take it uh, and they say, thank you. And, you know, you see it right next to transition. So, tri-bike transport always has, um, you know, a setup right near the transition area you show up i mean and that's another thing like with a race like hawaii if you want to get there um you know the week before you may not get your bike till what was it wednesday or thursday i yep. think or you know um that your bike is actually available so that was another reason that held me off from trying to I almost pulled the trigger on that one year um but uh that outside of that you know as soon as you're done with the race right um you know just uh, same thing just drop it off right there or you, yeah, I mean, they no, even have the service now where you can give them your your bike oh, yeah, ticket, your tag, and they'll ticket, right? they'll go yeah. literally like you'll never have to see your bike again after the race. Like I know a lot <laughs> when I race, sometimes I just don't even want to get my bike, and they have the uh, service now where they'll go into transition, sure. get your bike for you, and you don't I have can't to see say it. I've, I've <laughs> never had much joy with uh, repacking my, you know, disassembling my bike and putting it in. Uh, Right, right, after, right 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 and you just want a peace of mind that everything's going to show up and your bike will be in one piece. I mean, they, they have insurance for it and everything. So, I mean, right. I feel like if you, a lot of people like doing it just 
because they just they want to show up and they want their bike right there in by transition ready to go for sure yeah and i mean it's it is also nice that uh or you can go onto their website and you can see obviously it's got to be most they do most of the or the majority of the ironman branded races um but then you know their usa triathlon so i think they do the age group nationals looks like escape from alcatraz you know so that a lot of the big races they cover but obviously they don't go to every race so i guess that that could be something to consider depending on which events you're heading to as well um but uh yeah so that's uh that's those are the the different options there i think and it's you know it really kind of comes down to the bike and what you want to do is a is a big factor in it um but when you're you know picking an airline you know those those things all should go into consideration when you're trying to to make the most economical options there um i guess we maybe we should have started with this too but uh you know this is pretty simple and you know something i recommend that you do even for a local race but uh when you're traveling it becomes that much more important and that's to make like a pack list yeah um so i have uh kind of a template pack list that i always kind of uh actually i throw it literally in my google calendar with a big list of all the things and then you know as the next race comes up i kind of copy it to the next date and then you know i'll modify it if i know that there's some things that are going to be different but obviously the majority of the stuff is is the same so and maybe we'll maybe we'll post that on the website too when we uh when we put this online that's a good idea Yeah. yeah we'll definitely put that that list on there but uh um, there's just, or I guess I'm, I'm definitely an overpacker. Um, I like to, to be prepared. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's something that's, it's important for sure. So, and there's just so much stuff you have to remember to pack too. And yeah. <laughs> I make a joke every time I go to a running race, like I traveled to Boston marathon that one year. And I mean, the most important thing is your shoes and <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> you can pack everything in one bag with triathlon. It's your whole bike case and then just all your extra gear like your helmet it just takes so much like extra space (laughs) so no it it is you know so that's where again you know i try and pack as much stuff as i can in my box um but uh you gotta you gotta make sure you're prepared and uh you know again don't want to be doing that the morning of uh if you've got a morning flight or after you know even an afternoon flight i wouldn't recommend um try and do it at least a day in advance um so you can get that uh taken care of so yeah good idea we'll we'll post that there um as well so um why don't we quickly talk about a few things that you should not do that uh, i have managed to do over the years so i'll leave I'll this show. all to you colin okay <laughs> <laughs> you sure you don't have anything to share nope. i have never had any because i come to races prepared <laughs> i try to uh so we'll talk about the two uh pretty solid blunders that i've made um in the last couple years um so i I guess this wasn't even really much of a a travel one but the uh most recent one um was uh last year uh heading to hawaii actually stopped in la had a one of my buddy's weddings that weekend and uh so i actually borrowed one of my client's wheels um long story short on that but uh um, while in LA, I went for a ride and, uh, was putting kids in the car and stuff like that and managed to leave my, uh, his front wheel resting up against my truck, rental truck. And eventually it ran, got ran over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So Did you feel it when you ran it over, though? Like I you could know? feel it, oh. and it instantly knew exactly what it was. <laughs> Same thing with my next story as well. So, <laughs> so that you know ended up definitely um, caused a little stress. So you know, originally I was trying to see if there was a replacement or something that I could get while I was in LA. Um, you know, but at the same time, I kind of kept my composure. I said, all right, you know, I know obviously in Hawaii, there'll be local bike shops you can probably rent from and then like race day wheels and things are there. So, um, granted it definitely ended up being an mis- expensive mistake. You know, I had to buy my client a new wheel and then I ended up renting. Um, I ended up just getting a whole set and did use an excuse to race on the zip, uh, NSWs, um, when I was there, but, uh, definitely wasn't planned budget to uh to buy a new wheel for a client and uh and to to rent wheels for the race so but you know you you kind of you always kind of make do on these kind of things and the the last thing you want to do is stress yourself out and say you know oh my god you know what am i going to do i'm screwed here you know there's nothing nothing i can do um because you'll you'll figure out a way and just you know think about it a little bit and uh and a, a proper solution hopefully will present itself so just don't ever run in. over your kids okay yeah well that that moves into the next one here so i guess mine always have involved cars here um <laughs> this uh this one i was headed uh we were leaving a hotel had the whole fam with me um on our way to ironman maryland and i uh was pulling some stuff out to get other suitcases in and kind of rearrange and my aero helmet bag was some of the things that I put on the ground, and it actually kind of fell out and ended up right under the wheel uh, wheel well of the truck. And as it did that, I was like, hmm, I should probably move that. And, of course, I didn't, and we go to pull out, and same thing, snap, you know, loud loud sound there, and I knew exactly what it was, and <laughs> I ran my aero helmet over. So... Uh, good move, Jackass. Uh, but uh, oh, I yeah. have another one for. I have another one that you did. Remember, remember when you traveled to uh, Ironman Arizona a couple years ago? I do. And you you booked your um, your oh, Airbnb nice. in the wrong dates. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I did. I booked Airbnb for the next week. I think it was <laughs> as opposed. And I figured that out on the plane ride when we were about an hour from landing. <laughs> Um, so I had to rent a different hotel. Um, definitely was more expensive, but, uh, yes, thank you. I forgot about that one. (laughs) So, you know, bottom line, you know, these things happen and, uh, I try and stay as organized, organized as I can, but, uh, um, you know, I pretty much handle all the traveling stuff and figuring these things out when it comes to the family and stuff like that. Uh, I know I think some have their significant others do those kind of things, but, uh, I take take charge of all those things, and um, you know, I certainly am uh, one as you can tell that makes mistakes, and uh, you got to be able to roll with it. So, but that um, I mean, that kind of stuff is I mean, it all comes with traveling. I mean, it's not going to go exactly as planned all the time, and you just got to deal with it, not panic, and you'll figure it out. You know, that's what I tell myself when I deal with stuff that I don't expect when I'm traveling. I mean, that was literally, so I had, you know, obviously I had Wi-Fi on the plane, and before we landed, I already had a hotel for us on that Arizona trip, yeah. so, um, you know, you figure things out, but, yeah. uh, all right, so let's move on to a little more positive things here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, when we are booking accommodations, let's let's talk about things to consider um, when you are, you know, choosing, so, 
let's let's start with like when you should you should think about getting to a race so uh we could spend a lot of time talking about this and getting acclimated and things but we'll we'll skim through that and kind of assume that you're you're traveling to something within you know a reasonable time zone close to you and things like that um but uh you know if you have a sunday race um you know i definitely trying to get there as far out as possible is is usually ideal you know to let yourself settle in especially if you know if it's cross-country flight or something like that you know that that jet lag is definitely a real thing and and definitely affects people in different ways but uh is something really strong uh that you know can affect you and you want to make sure that you're you give your body time to to recover from that so um you know if you got a, a race on a sunday um, I ideally recommend getting there in a perfect world by Wednesday, um, but really by Thursday. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's an Ironman event, you're going to have to be there by Friday, you know, two days before the race for a full Ironman, you know, day before for the race, uh, for a half Ironman, shorter races. But, um, you know, that's it's something that uh, definitely will help you out. You know, I actually had a client last year that uh, was doing Ironman Maryland, and he wanted to... Um, drive down drive all night you know it's about a seven and a half hour drive we'll call it from where where we are in new hampshire um to uh to maryland so you want to drive all night friday night you know rest up saturday and then race i'm sorry so it was actually because maryland's on a saturday so it was thursday night you want to drive all night hang out friday and then you know race on saturday and uh i was able to talk him out of it fortunately but you know think about how much training and things you put into it how much time money everything you put into this race do you really want to sabotage it by you know not getting yourself there early enough for a race you know or be you know not at your your optimal you know fully recovered and and ready to race um you know it's it's just uh, i don't want to say you know it's just it's something you gotta really consider and make sure that you're being smart about it i mean and that's um, one mistake i made last year when i went to coeur d'alene we drove from Phoenix all the way to Coeur d'Alene, which is <clears throat> uh, 20 plus hours of driving. Yeah. And when I could have just flown into Spokane, it's a 20 minute drive over to Coeur d'Alene. I mean, that. And the flight's how long? Um, three hours. Three hours, right? So, you know, three and a half hours of travel time. I mean, I think when it comes, hours. and I kind of learned my lesson with that is like, you're right, you put so much time into it. I mean that's the last thing you want to really be a cheap ass about if it if if it has anything to do with money but I mean yeah. just being in the car for that long it really does sap your energy even if you don't feel like it does it yeah, absolutely yeah and, and I mean being you know the, the like the phrase now that you know that sitting is the new smoking where you know being uh, in that position is just terrible for us so if you're sitting in this crunch especially for a big guy like myself that has my knees in you know and just really for the most part uncomfortable and not you know stretched out um, you know it's just tightening everything up that's the last thing we want uh, yep. you know as we're heading into a race so um, you know to that point you know definitely if you if you do if you are going to drive um, you know, stopping regularly, get the blood flowing, do some stretching and things like that. Um, you know, making sure anytime, especially when you're flying to making sure that you're staying hydrated is just so important. You know, yes, it stinks going to the bathroom often, but it's worth it. So do those little things. Um, you know, I travel a decent amount, so I've kind of gotten used to it and, and gotten pretty good at it. But a lot of people have a tendency to, to not eat as well as when they're traveling. And it can be certainly tough to do that. 
Um, but, uh, you know, making sure that you're, you're eating the proper meals and, um, and getting yourself really ready to go. Um, because it's, it's easy to, to slip up on those things, but it's, uh, really can affect your performance. Yeah. Um, so with that now, if we've gotten on site, um, you know, where do we want to stay? So, um, I think this is different for everybody. Um, for me, hands down, especially if my family's coming, my wife's line every time is I want to be as close to the transition or, yes. you know, the finish line as possible. Convenience. So, convenience is definitely a huge thing, you know, and especially when you start thinking about Ironman races where, again, you know, you have to be there either two days or a day before. So, you know, let's call it Friday, you're going down to register. Saturday, you got to go back and check your bike in. And then Sunday, obviously, you got the race and things. So, you know, if you're staying, you know, 45 minutes, an hour out, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe you save some, you know, able to stay with a friend to be able to do that or loved ones and things like that, you know, and, um, you know, maybe that's worth it, but that travel time can be kind of annoying and, um, you know, adds up and things when you want to be relaxed and, um, you know, focusing on the race, those, those definitely could have an impact on it. So, um, you know, you can obviously look at the, um, the, host hotel um ironman always has one and it's usually pretty darn expensive um so you know money's not an option i mean like actually puerto rico this this past year uh one of my coaches had a uh was staying right on the resort there that the that the race was on and man was that awesome even for race morning we went up to his room and you know got to use his bathroom and stuff so i mean there's some some really nice advantages to being close like ironman mount treblant you know they have the, the village right there where you same thing with ironman canada where you can literally walk back to your room um you know so those kind of things and after the race nobody wants to go very far um i remember uh, after hawaii one year like being ready to cry walking with my bike you know all the way back to uh, a room that was there i think we were staying pretty far down alahi drive and it was just miserable <laughs> trying to get back so um you know being someplace close i think usually works out the best um but at the same time there's definitely some drawbacks to that where you know you're you're probably going to be surrounded by other athletes you know there's the kind of intimidation and kind of self-doubt sometimes that can come through when you're seeing other people training and all that fun stuff um so you know if you get too caught up in those kind of things you know maybe staying a little bit further out so that you're not reminded or um seeing people and and getting you you know thinking about those kind of things uh wouldn't be uh would be a bad thing so um you know there's certainly obviously hotels you know most of them are pretty accommodating um about bikes um some of them i have seen where they don't want bikes in the rooms and stuff usually you can get around that but uh something to, to think about a little bit um but uh you know Airbnb is huge, you know, from the training camps these days, I pretty much all, um, use Airbnb to find our accommodations. You can get some, some pretty reasonably priced things and, uh, some cool options and definitely, um, usually pretty close, um, by doing, uh, things like that. But, uh, VRBO, uh, home away and, and things like that are also some, some good options there as well. Um, Ellie, you got anything on accommodations? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Airbnb. I mean, that's, I've used that service the past few races I've done and I feel like you can I mean I like the map option where you just you choose you kind of you got to know where transition is and then you kind of just span the map of of all the places available in that section and I'm always able to find someplace pretty close and 
at a price that's pretty reasonable. For sure. Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah, some pretty basic stuff there. Hopefully, relatively uh, straightforward on that, but I think it's important. Um, next topic I had it kind of goes in relation to that and it goes back to where I started the hotel uh, slash accommodations topic there. But traveling with your family. Um, this that's where really it becomes more and more important to be close to the transition. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you expect them to actually come to the race, um, I actually have had a few races even where we've been staying pretty close, and my family's never even made it down to the race. So, um, <laughs> well, you got a lot of kids to worry there. about too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't blame her, and, and actually. You know, from the Ironmans, I spectated, spectated, you know, I do say I feel like it's a longer day for spectators than it is for the athletes. Um, and it's more demanding because it's, it's a long day out there, yeah. and, you know, especially when you got kiddos that uh, need to take naps and, and things. You know, if you you plop your, your uh, significant out there out there with the kids and tell them, yeah, I'll be back in, you know, 9 to 17 hours and they got to stick around, you know, close to the transition area, that's, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. Um, so... You know, my recommendation is definitely to try and make it as convenient as possible for them. Um, you know, traveling with the family is is definitely hard. Um, you know, it's it's fun, and uh, I do enjoy aspects of it. But uh, I'd be lying if I said that it's all hunky dory, and uh, you know, you don't have some. Um, you know, so I just went to, to Costa Rica with the fam, and that was more of a vacation than than a race there for sure. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, after the after this year, but um, you know it's it's hard when you got uh, especially the little ones and um, you've got everybody to accommodate and and you can't just get on the plane and you know take a nap or uh, you know watch TV and things like that. You got to be focused on everybody else and um, you know so that's another advantage I guess where if you get there a little bit early, um, it gives you an opportunity to do some really good family things. And then, you know, hopefully be able to shut it down and focus on yourself a little bit more, you know, in the at least day before the race. And then obviously on race day um, where it's it's it is really, you know, more about you and and trying to to get yourself in a spot to to be, you know, at your best. So, um, you know, you got to you got to make sure you keep the fam happy. And uh, there's no doubt it adds some additional stressors. But uh at the same time, you know, that's what that really makes the memories for me is, and, uh, I really try and incorporate my family in and, and have them come to as many races as, uh, as I can, um, certainly can, can add some more expenses. Um, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, for us, most of our vacations, which my wife absolutely loves, uh, <laughs> end up being going <laughs> to races. And if you can't tell that was a sarcastic comment, then, uh, I didn't say that well enough because yeah, um, you know, it's 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 definitely not a full vacation per se um, for my wife. For definitely when uh, when we're racing, when I'm racing, but uh, it's it's good to have them there. And um, you know, you just got to be as accommodating as possible. And um, you know, I really try and I always always try and run you know things of where we're going to stay or what we're going to do and things like that be to my uh, through my wife before just going out and doing them. Um, so. I think that that's uh, that's something and uh, some good tips on on how to uh, travel with the family a bit here. Um, so yeah, how about um, 
Elliot, what about when you, in your race prep, like what do you what do you usually do, and what uh, what's your kind of focus and relaxation and things like that, or suggestions there um, when you do get on site? Yeah, so my main thing is just trying to be off your feet as much as possible, which is really hard to do. Um, you go over in your head before you travel, and you're like, oh yeah, I, I'll get there, and I'll, I can just rest the entire time, but. There's just so much going on race weekend usually, and you have to be down on the race site checking in. You want to usually walk, walk the expo, um, and the days just go by so fast. So, I mean, my main thing is just trying to be off my feet for as long as possible, for as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, keeping those feet up, you can bring your recovery boots and things like that and doing those and trying to do stress-free things. Um, that is, is definitely what I would highly recommend. Um, you know, it's funny as, even as I say this, I have to admit that, you know, I, I always, uh, almost always I'll go into, um, a quote unquote vacation or, you know, getting to a race and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have all this free time. You know, I'm going to be able to get this done and that done. And, um, there's definitely been races where, you know, I'm building tree, you know because they're on the weekend i'm building training plans for clients and things at seven eight o'clock seems like you're you always know, doing that kind of stuff well yeah i am but uh, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i feel like there's going to be more time and and there usually isn't you know it's it there's it seems like it's a simple process of what we have to do to prep for the race but uh, there's a lot of uh, things that go into it and are time consuming and you know making sure you're getting your meals right and um that's actually a good point that I don't think we had on our, our list here. Um, what about uh, food and accommodations? We are not accommodations, just but accommodating our, our food and making sure that we're eating well. Um, do you have any kind of uh, recommendations on that? Yeah, and like you said, that's the hard part about traveling with families. Like you, you go to a destination race, like Coeur d'Alene, for example, and they have all these nice restaurants, and they always want to go to those. And I, I really feel bad not going with them so i usually go up until the night before and then kind of just do my own thing but my main advice is just you want to stick to your normal diet and not switch things up too much and if you're going to go eat out i mean try to eat as healthy as possible yeah exactly um you know that was kind of our next topic of whether you should quote unquote vacation before or after the race but um you know, and it, it goes back to that travel example I gave there with my clients, you know, thinking about driving through the night, you know, day before the race. And, um, you know, don't don't sabotage yourself by packing on, you know, five extra pounds, you know, the, the couple of days before the race because you, you know, picked out um, eating at these, you know, crappy food places that uh, were around if it can be avoided. Um, you know, I, I generally I bring almost all of my snacks with me. Yep. Um, again, me uh, being a overprepared typically, but uh, I usually have about enough food for a month. Um, I would say, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's. I think it's good, and you know, trying to stick to as close to what you've done, assuming that you're eating pretty well um, normally, you know, is is really important. And um, you know, bringing what you can with you, um, you know, like. For me, you know, my, my morning of um, race nutrition, you know, having that stuff all with me, you know, it's a lot of stuff that typically you could get most places, but you may not be able to get exactly what you want. And, you know, that's another stressor and things like that. So, um, you know, prepping and, and bringing a lot of that stuff, I think, ends up working out well. And then you're you're that much lighter in your suitcases on the way home. You yep. know, or it gives, it gives you some room to buy that uh, 
Iron Man gear that you know you're going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, and then, so, um, you know, it's a, it's a good question of whether, you know, um, I recommend um, vacationing before or after a race. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Elliot? I definitely say after the race. <clears throat> I mean, you're just... I, I myself, I'm just, I'm so focused on the race beforehand. So like you said, if, if it's a Sunday race, I'll show up either Wednesday or Thursday and deal with the race. And then if you're going to a race like Hawaii or a destination place where you want to enjoy yourself, I mean, that's when you can let loose and you don't really have, your mind's completely off the race. And I feel like that's when you can have a lot more fun rather than having the race on your mind before and doing fun things i mean it's i don't know i just i just feel like i always have the race on my mind before beforehand if i travel somewhere well said yeah um so i mean you know certainly we got to be kind of careful again you don't want to um ruin your or jeopardize your race by getting there too close to the race because you want a vacation after so you know maybe it's kind of finding that that happy median uh in between and getting there earlier enough to so that you are actually ready for your race and then have enough time to relax after. But, um, yeah, I'd have to agree with Elliot there where, you know, you're, you're definitely hopefully going to be focused on your race leading up to it. Um, so if you're trying to vacation and, and do all these things, you know, especially you got the family and whatnot and, and sightseeing or whatever it may be, um, that's going to add a lot of stress, um, in most cases to people and, um, you know, could, could definitely have a, a negative impact on your, on your race. So, um, you know, I would recommend saving it for after if you can. You know, Hawaii, I think, is a little bit for, at least in my experiences, a, a little bit different where, I mean, well, it'd be fantastic to go there for two plus weeks or something where you could go there a week before and, um, you know, stay for a week after, um, eat as many large snow cones as you can, right, Elliot? <laughs> uh, hey, but, you can't uh, eat those basketball-sized <laughs> snow cones before a race, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> no, that definitely wouldn't be recommended. Uh, but, you know, a race like that, so especially as an East Coaster, you know, you got a six-hour time change. And, you know, if you don't give your, your body enough time to, to, well, yeah, I'm not sure unless, you know, you'll see the pros getting there three and four weeks in advance so that they can really get acclimated. But, um, you know, if you're showing up, you know, Wednesday, Thursday before that race, uh, I'll be shocked if you if you really throw down what you want and, and what you're capable of because, um, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the, the travel plans and um, that, that kind of travel really pays its toll on you. So, um, you know, I'd say, again, finding that, that happy median where you're getting to the race early enough uh, so that you're, you are prepared, but uh, being able to stay after and, and really, you know, let loose and, and not have to worry about the race and just having a good time um, is the way to go. So, I agree. Uh, cool. Let's see here. I think that's uh, most of the stuff we had to cover here. You got anything else? Yep. I mean, I just think being prepared, having checklists before a race, not feeling rushed, and just taking care of things far in advance before you travel. You don't ever want to wait the night before, even two days before, to if you need to tune up your bike. I mean, definitely get that taken care of one to two weeks in advance before you even travel because things always pop up it seems like and yeah. you don't want to be panicked before you before you travel 
Right. Now that's a great point. I mean, even, you know, oh, you know, there, there is always, you know, or most races will have a mechanic on hand or multiple mechanics uh, leading up to the race. But, uh, you know, they're always packed with all kinds of other people and, you know, time consuming and total uh, added stressors. You know, if you are waiting to the last minute or just saying, oh, you know, I'll just have them take care of it once I get there. You know, don't be surprised if, uh, you know, especially after travel, if something's not exactly right with the bike and, you know, it may end up that you need to use a service like that. But put yourself in a position where, um, you know, your bike and, and all your gear is, is ready to go and, you know, you deal with, with anything that uh, may have happened during the travel, you know, once you get in there. But uh, don't don't wait on those kind of things. Yep. So, yeah, being prepared for sure. So, um, good. All right. Well, I think that uh, that's about what we got for that. I hope people found that helpful. Definitely let us know if we miss anything or you have any questions. Uh, we could we could hit those up in a, a later episode here. Um, but with that, I guess we'll, uh, we'll piggyback over to um, what's going on in the Elliot and Colin uh, world here and then uh, some decent racing uh, we've done here in the last, uh, last couple months here. Yeah, so, we've both been pretty busy. Yeah. You had so an Xterra race, right? I've had two Xterras, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, we'll hit those. So I did um, this race called Xterra Over Yonder, which is in uh, Hewitt, New Jersey. I did that back in May. Um, so that was my first Xterra race ever, and um, that was enlightening. <laughs> uh, fortunately, uh, actually, I kind of, piggybacked it in from a, a work trip so the family and i we drove to philly a few days before kind of did some some work and um had some work the day on on thursday and then uh so we did we drove down wednesday uh worked thursday and then ended up heading to the to new jersey uh on friday so we stayed at this nice little resort that had a bunch of pools and the kids had a blast at but uh it did allow me to pre-ride the course, and um, man, oh man, was that uh, demoralizing. <laughs> um, I literally must have gotten off my bike at least 20 times during the, the kind of the ride. You know, I was trying to take it easy, but this course was super rocky and and way more technical than I was expecting. You know, I kind of heard that the Xterras are um, relatively, you know, on the easier side technically. Um, for the you know the, the the rides and um i was i was blown away i was i was like obviously i knew i was going to do the race but i was like oh man i don't even want to do this like that was that <laughs> that demoralizing so um you know so it was it one it was a huge learning experience where you, you know getting to know the course and if i had gone in without without seeing that course and just ended up with that scenario without prepping it first i think it would have went uh, really bad i think <laughs> so um you know that was good um just to see it and i ended up doing a lot better on race day but uh, still was off the bike quite a bit took one little spill um uh, but uh not too bad um and uh had a overall pretty good day um oh yeah, that's right i did miss a turn on the bike um which i'll take responsibility for but uh was kind of just out of sight of the i think i was in fourth at that point and uh the second and third guys were kind of up ahead of me and there was a little turn i just didn't see it and uh i missed it so i did an extra mile or so on the bike so i think that cost me about five minutes or so but uh still ended up getting 
what did I say, seventh or eighth overall, and uh, and won my age group. So um, I was I was happy with uh, with that result, but at the same time, it was uh, eye opening with how much uh, I need to work on my bike uh, for sure to be able to be a legit contender here in the Xterras. So, uh, but uh, they are an absolute blast, and uh, you know, much smaller races. You know, I think there was like 150, 200 people that did that race. Everybody's super nice, and um, I can't stress enough. If you know you're looking to mix it up or uh, do something a little different, and, and maybe get with a little bit different crowd, um, I don't think we're going to have any issues with people deflating tires um, <laughs> of other competitors. Um, you know, at the Xterras anytime soon. Um, so. You know, it's uh, it's it's they're they're a lot of fun for sure. Uh, so did that did so that yeah. race qualify you for um, the race in Hawaii? The uh, so they do a point. It's a point system with Xterra. So I think it definitely gave me a, um, a good amount of points and put me in a pretty good position there. If I wanted to go, I, I will not be doing that this year, no matter what. Um, but uh, I think it you know it is it is a point system all off your age group and whatnot. Okay. So. Um, so yeah, I gotta check the standings here now that I've done two races, but uh, um, certainly got points in, in both races. But uh, yeah, so what about? Um, that's that's right. You had a crash, so you didn't race, right? Um, actually, I did race. So oh, I've you did race. Oh, yeah, I've, well, I've I've had such bad luck lately. So I was sick most of May, and then I crashed my bike pretty bad on the B line here in Arizona, and. Uh, it just set me back for a few more weeks, but um, I trained hard for I think two weeks, and I just did Coeur d'Alene last weekend. And right. Um, so, uh, how did your races before Coeur d'Alene go? Um, pretty good. It, they're local races, so I think I was what second overall at um, Cactus Man, which is an Olympic. It's a new Olympic race in Tempe, so that nice. that went really well. But uh, yeah. Did you beat, beat Mr. Dunn. Yes, I did. <laughs> oh. I, I wasn't sure the answer to that. Hey, he's so getting pretty he, old he, though, so. Uh, <laughs> he we'll expects sure he me to beat to him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Uh, good deal. And then, um, so yeah. So since then, I did do uh, Costa Rica seventy point three. Um, was that june 18th or 19th somewhere around there um so that was more primarily a uh, like i mentioned a family trip um my father lives down there nowadays and so he's been there like almost five years now i think and we hadn't been there so um his his uh his house is literally like 15 minutes from the transition area so finally was uh enough excuse for me to get the family down and uh and we headed down there um for the week leading up to the race um, so exact opposite of what we we talked about with uh, you know being w- when you should vacation um, for a race before or after. But uh, um, so we we were having a ball and uh, overall I think it was still a great trip. But uh, um, so it's a Sunday race on Friday. Uh, my wife woke up first thing and she was feeling really sick and I don't think she got out of bed pretty much the whole day. Um, we ended up going to a little zoo that day and kind of when we got there actually, so early or late morning, I started not feeling very good. And by the time we got home, I was throwing up and, uh, my wife was throwing up as well. Um, most of the, the rest of the day and, uh, not feeling very good. 
Um, so woke up Saturday and was feeling all right, but uh, definitely stomach was still a bit off, and uh, you know, kind of just uh, did my best to uh, to get some rest and uh, and stay positive, but wasn't wasn't feeling too hot. Um, but then by the time Sunday morning came around, I must say I actually I thought I was feeling better and I, I felt a lot better. Um, I will say uh, my heart rate variability for those people that, that track that, maybe that's a topic for another day sometime, was, was still very low and did not, uh, did not <laughs> foresee a, a good, uh, good experience in our race performance coming. But uh, um, I swam pretty well, um, but uh, got on the bike and uh, really just struggled pretty much the entire time. Um, you know, I was shooting for like 285, 290 for watts average on that. And um, the first lap I did like 265 and my heart rate was like really high. And I thought it was just going to kind of come down and I'd be able to battle through it. But uh, by the time, and I think I started throwing up um, towards the it's probably second or last third of the, of the first loop um, where I just couldn't hold anything down and um started really feeling like crap and so the second loop uh of this two loop bike course um i rode at like i think 200 watts which is literally under my recovery watts normally when i do um a ride so um that's that's what i usually aim for (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so and so my heart rate was still relatively high but i was just throwing up like I don't want to say consistently, but um, I literally, you know, it was it was at least thirty times that I threw up throughout the bike. Oh my god! <coughs> Excuse me. So um, obviously wasn't in the best of spirits. I did see my my brother um, was down there as well, and my mom kind of went to one of the turnarounds, and uh, so I saw him and. You know, I was saying, oh, I feel like shit. I'm not even going to start the ride. I mean, excuse me, I was not even going to start the run, you know, and, and I'm telling them basically to have somebody down there to uh, to come pick me up. Um, but I kind of muscled through it. I think I actually may have thrown up on somebody else's bike by mistake at, <laughs> at one point, which I don't think that guy was thrilled with me. But uh, um, <laughs> I got through the bike, and literally the whole time when I was going through, um, even when I got off my bike and running to transition, I was considering you know our planning to be done and i don't know what it was but there was just something inside me that said all right you know just just go out there and like i think it was actually more i wanted to kind of just see the atmosphere of the race you know it's kind of it was pretty cool where it was down in this uh, cocoa beach and uh i wanted to see the run course and the atmosphere and stuff like that so i said all right you know i'm just gonna go out there easy and maybe i'll do you know a couple miles and then i'll i'll call it a day um, so I ended up kind of just going along. I ended up stopping at a few aid stations, like completely stopping and just like dousing myself with water and, um, trying to, to get some air fluids in and things like that. And, um, so my heart rate was, was pretty high most of the time, but, uh, I was able to, uh, to keep some things down. I didn't throw up at all on the run and it's a two and a half loop run. So by the time I got finished with the first loop, I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, and maybe I'll try and finish this thing. And I'm pretty sure I ended up negative splitting it. Um, nice. and, uh, well, yeah, um, that's all relative, but, uh, I think I ran what a 134, 135, which, uh, normally is not, uh, up to par for me. Um, 
but uh, I I really would have laughed at you if you told me I was going to finish that race. You know, even um, halfway through the bike, I was already kind of you know ready to, to pack it in. So yeah, and um, I give you kudos was, for doing that. I mean, that's it takes a lot to continue on when you don't when things go things go wrong and it's it's hard to go on but i give you kudos for keep on i mean you you got through it and you probably learned a lot during that race yeah you know it was um you know the really the biggest things you know was just trying to to stay cool um you know once i you know so i was still kind of the the fluids were definitely coming coming out on the bike and you know it was primarily what i was um regurgitating there but um you know, I, I, I did get some things to stay down, and I think I kind of, you know, rebounded a bit um, for the second half of the run, but uh, just kind of focused on that turnover, trying to keep it going, and just kind of getting it done. Uh, it's definitely a pretty hot over there as well, so um, it was it was not easy, and I ended up getting an IV after the race, and really felt bad uh, the entire rest of the day. Um <laughs> not to get too graphic here but i was i was peeing like red uh after the race and um it was it was rough i was really having a hard time getting food to to go down um but uh looking back i still uh do not regret it at all you know i was very happy to to muscle through it and uh still ended up uh fifth in my age group which uh certainly wasn't what i was hoping for definitely uh wanted to uh to get on the podium when i was there but uh given what i was battling uh maybe one of my more prouder results here in uh in the last bit here yep. so so moving on to disappointments on your side but oh. uh let's talk about quarter lane here yeah so i train for train i mean i i, I feel like i put in a, two weeks of pretty good training i mean I felt a little more confident on the bike leading up to it, so I went went into it with not too many expectations, and he's still gonna race hard, but just knew I wasn't completely fit just because of all the all the setbacks. But um, yeah, my day was going okay, and got out of the water. I still haven't cracked thirty minutes, but I got really close. I think I was thirty oh six. Oh man, so. <laughs> and that's a wetsuit swim, right? Yeah. Cool. So. Uh, yeah, you can crack an hour in an Ironman swim, but you can't crack thirty in a. I don't get it. Ironman, huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I must. I must like just know that speed, and I can't go much faster than my Ironman right. speed. That's, yeah, no, it probably is actually the case, but uh, <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the bike was it was going pretty well. I mean, I think I was ninth or tenth out of my in my age group out of the water so i mean i was in fairly good position and um but yeah i got two flats on the bike and i don't know just sitting on the side of the road and just dealing with that stuff i've i've never dealt with that before in a race and it's just hard when you're just watching people pass you and all this time going away so yeah i flatted on my on my rear first i fixed it and you got clenchers right yep and okay, so you had one tube with you oh i have no idea why i did this but i had two tubes and two co2s with me really wow okay and i cool. never i usually never do that and five minutes later after my back flatted my front flatted and oh, so it's even a different tire too huh yeah 
a different wheel. Um, wow. So I fixed the front fairly quickly, and I, I mean, it just kind of plays with your head when you're, you know, you could have biked a lot faster than that, and you're just, I mean, you see the people you're riding with after you yeah. lost so much time, and you're like, oh my gosh. So exactly. yeah. I rode back into town, and I actually thought about your race in, in Puerto Rico, and I'm like, you know what, Colin felt like shit during his race. I mean, there's no reason for me to get, just give up. I mean, I made it through the bike. I'm feeling okay. So I just went cool. on with the run and just got it done. I mean, I don't think I ran as hard as I possibly could. I mean, I, I ran the first 5K pretty hard just to see, like, where I was at. But, I mean, some guys were 30 minutes up on me. <laughs> right, right. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really hard position to be in, you know, mentally. And, you know, I think the takeaway is just, you know, to do your best in that scenario. And, uh, you know, when you look back in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a lot more, um, a much better achievement. You know, you're going to be more proud of yourself for finishing it than being, you know, uh, a bitter beaver and uh, and being pissed that, you know, you got two flats. And, yep. um, you know. I mean, and if, so. you, if you fix this up and you're traveling to races and... I mean, you travel all that way. I mean, that's another thing that went through my head is, like, I traveled yeah. all this way. I'm not going to – I mean, I got through the bike, and I'm feeling okay. I could I could just get the run in, get the experience in, and, I mean, I was I was happy with myself at the end of the day. So I guess that's all yeah, that that's matters. Good, yep. That's uh, That's tough, definitely. You know, um, a lot of people – even on the first flat, maybe would uh, would pack it in. Um, certainly on the second flat, um, but that is. Uh, I was interested to hear that. I can't believe you had two different uh, tubes and CO twos, and were able to do it all yourself. That's uh, that's good. I certainly uh, uh, only usually bring one with me. <laughs> so same here. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, right. I guess your body knew, or you had some kind of intuition to. Yeah, uh, but to break there's a. There's some post-race pictures, and I had so I I couldn't fit like the the second tube back into my case, and I didn't want to litter, so I wrapped the tube around my neck. So there's a picture of me like what? riding into T2 with with a tube around my neck. <laughs> Come on, I and bike grease all over my face Facebook? too. No, I didn't post it on face. And bike grease all over my face, which is I found oh, pretty man. funny. Are they on your blog? Um, no, but I'll, I'll post it on, you get I'll post on it. There, man. Uh, no, I, and I gotta see these pictures. That's great. Maybe those will make it onto the peak website. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, uh, cool. Well, yeah, you know, so bottom line here, right? So, uh, things are not always going to go perfect to say the least, you yeah. know, um, you gotta be able to, to deal with, you know, the things and you know i think this is truly you know it's kind of cheesy but uh what makes triathlon um great is you know how much we learn you know about ourselves and what we can what we really can do you know when we put ourselves into not so great situations you know and um makes us become better people and i you think know, and, i yeah. think at the end of the day too i mean we're age groupers and yeah, yeah your placement does it's important but i mean i learned a lot during this race and just motivating myself to keep on running when I know I'm not going to produce the placement yeah. that I wanted. I mean, I, f I felt, I feel like I, I gained a lot of experience just getting through this race and just dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think those are the takeaways that both of us uh, have learned here in the last uh, month or two or whatnot. So kudos to both of us, I guess. Yep. <laughs> uh, so nice. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully that was uh, helpful and you learned something. Again, let us know if, you, uh, if we missed anything or you have any suggestions for us. Uh, but uh, we will do the next one here in the next month or so scouts honor on that one um <laughs> and uh uh still a lot of uh racing and fun stuff to do this summer so yep. uh should be uh should be good um what's your next race Elliot? um i got a race in flagstaff it's a half half iron so that'll be fun when's that that's in august beginning of august okay cool nice all right um well maybe we'll do one before that here but uh Good deal. Well, thanks again, everybody. We appreciate you listening, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get something up here again soon. Here, thanks, guys. Take care.